You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Rousseau here. Excited to continue our series talking to NLC alums from across the country who are on the front lines of COVID work doing inspirational things for their communities at large. Today, we're talking with Alexis Bromley, a 2017 fellow from NLC Omaha. I'm not sure we've had an Omaha person on before, so excited to touch base with her, see what things are like in Nebraska. Let's get to it. All right, Alexis, whenever I chat with people from Nebraska, I'm always curious, what do you think people misunderstand about your state? Nebraska gets a hard rap. It's considered (laughs) a flyover state, and so that is how most people are familiar with it. I, myself, I am a black woman, and whenever I travel outside of Nebraska, the first question I immediately am asked is, there's black people that live there. And I'm walking proof. We are here. We're a city. And it's, it's, it's much more than what you would think it would be here. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we, one of our favorite NLC alums and she actually ran our Institute for a couple of years, uh, African-American woman herself grew up in Nebraska and has shared a very similar story than the one you just shared. Um, so I can definitely appreciate the, the perception busting you must have to do when you travel a little bit, but I'm glad we get to hear what's going on in Omaha for you. Give folks a little bit of a scoop on how you are trying to support neighbors with some of the work that you're doing right now. Yes, I work for a nonprofit called One Omaha. The One stands for Office of Neighborhood Engagement. We are here to serve neighborhood and community groups to be able to organize and form to create change that they want. When the work from home and self-isolation orders began about two months ago, that's when our team really had to stop and think about what is going to be our role in this situation and how are we going to help people organize together. The what we decided upon was a, a platform called Group It. It's it existed prior to COVID and not specifically for this function, but we are able to figure out, tweak it a little bit, and use the platform to work to keep people connected. And what it does, it's an app where people can go on and report that they can help with certain items. People can go on and share that they need help with something, or maybe it's a neighborhood update, and you have the ability to connect people in real time with that assistance instead of relying on some foreign platform or some Facebook post or whatever it may be where it can get lost in the noise. That's what I was going to ask, because I feel like people's reaction sometimes when you hear the word neighbor and app is to think of the Nextdoor app. I don't know if that's something that's popular in, in your state, but it is on ours, and it's it's kind of a wild place of uh, people posting on, a, on an assortment of things, and, and sometimes it can get pretty pretty dark. This thankfully sounds to be very different than that. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far from people who are using it? Yes, very different than next door. It is <laughs> specifically COVID related and that's where it helps to stay focused. The feedback we've been hearing from people is positive, positive, and I'm not just saying that because I'm running it. There are some things that we have learned along the way as well that were not so positive, but for the most part, people want to help and they know that there are people who need a lot of assistance at this time, whether it's getting groceries and food, whether it's picking up medicine, or even if they have lack of internet, they just need updates on what is going on in the news. And you need to be able to direct people to where they can exert their efforts or where they can spend their time helping other people. And if you make those connections, that's that's all we want to do. That's the goal of it. And then how are you balancing the technological aspect of things as uh, what you're describing sounds very practical, sounds very useful, resources will get to to folks. Uh, But we are reading a lot in the news about technology platforms and privacy as we're talking about contact tracing and reading stories of of how apps are being deployed in different parts of the world. What are your thoughts on how to balance the resourcefulness with the privacy aspect? 
The, the good thing about the app is there are private groups. No one can log in and join a group in a neighborhood unless they either have a link to join or invited to do so, or they ask. They have to ask the organizer. We want to make sure that the group is trusted, that it is people that they know and people that live within their neighborhood to help them. And those relationships is what allows people to step up and vocalize, hey, I need help and I'm not afraid to say it because these are people who are in my circle. And so any information that's on Groupit is is it has to be shared from the user. It's not so much collecting it because we are the ones who are able to make those forms and decide what is put on there. And then is there data that's pushed out on the back end that would give city agencies or give other nonprofits a sense of trends or patterns of what types of resources people are requesting or asking for more of? Is there anything to be gleaned from that? Yes. Yeah, so in addition to um, people on the app openly sharing information, on our end with One Omaha, we have the ability to see trends. And so if, if there is a wave that is coming through where people are asking for food pantry help or food pantry donations, we now know this is a direct response and something that we need to organize around. Or maybe we start to slow down and in two months we start there are more workforce development questions or hiring needs or economic resources. Who knows? We can absolutely stay up to date with the times throughout this era, throughout the unknown. And then there's so many alums who work for nonprofits or uh, maybe work in uh, the, the type of work that nonprofits support. So it could be community services or in schools or things like that. As you, you think through the, the financial pressures that all nonprofits are under now, how are y'all thinking through how to get through the next three months, six months? What does that longer term forecast look like for y'all? That that's a hard question. We One Omaha is five years old, so we're we're a young nonprofit. We've been fortunate that we are one of the few, one of two specifically, who do what we do. Mm-hmm. That allows us to have strong and trusted funding and sustainable resources to keep our operations and going. However, that is not to say that things will not change over the next course of the year with our funding stream. So I have personally on our organization, I have a reserves count for us. And so we will probably dip into that. We have a small staff, a team of three people. And I went back through the numbers and we have enough in our budget already cash on hand to keep them employed throughout the end of this year. And so it'll be more around the fall area, fall time, where I have to sit down and really look at budgets and talk to funders and figure out where those gaps are if we have them and how we're going to fill them. And then for yourself as a leader of a team, how have you transitioned to what I assume most people are now virtual or you haven't really seen folks in person in quite the same way? How has that transition been? It For me personally, it has been hard. And with me knowing how hard it was, I don't place expectations on my team to be at any other space than where I am. I encourage them to take mental health days. I encourage them to take walks. I encourage them to do what they can throughout the day. I don't have the expectation that they are working from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. nonstop. We have decreased our workload. We have figured out what we need to do. And so throughout the process, we've all been working with each other, supporting each other. And it means the most when it comes from the leadership perspective and not from the employees asking for that or the company to recognize that those need to be put in place. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Alexis. We'll talk a little bit more about her NLC experience in Omaha. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Alexis, what do you remember most about your 2017 NLC experience? I remember 2017 because we, that was, oh, we met November, December, two months after Trump was elected. 
And I believe most of, they extended the application also for right. a class <laughs> because it was after the elections and they realized that people wanted to mobilize around where we are at in our country. Our class was a, a safe space and a peace of mind for me in that first year of President Trump to where I could speak openly, where I could speak with people about how I felt in a very red state and not feel like I am alone. And that is really what I enjoyed from NLC that first year is knowing that other people are in my community who want to see the things and the change for everyone that I do. And if you were advising someone who might be considering doing NLC in 2021, and obviously we're still trying to figure out how much of the Institute experience will be in person, maybe a mix, maybe virtual, but the content will still be the same and still be strong. What would you tell people to prioritize as they consider if they should turn in an application or not? I would have them consider what are their goals? What what are you looking for? What do you want to accomplish in your community? The best thing about NLC is that you are surrounded by people who will encourage you and inspire you to reach a big, hairy, lofty goal. And so come in with something in mind and understand if you have it down, they will walk you through how to achieve that. And do not be afraid to think big. That would be what I would say. Well, listen, thanks so much for all the work you're doing in your part of the country. And thank you so much for coming on the Zag. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can catch all past episodes in all the places where you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. We've been featuring folks like Alexis who are doing the COVID frontline work for the past couple of weeks. But we also managed to sneak in a few episodes last week to celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week. So if you want to hear from NLC alums who are educators, former teachers working on policy, we have those up as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.